This is Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Mark. And today's guests make me feel informed. I'm joined by electronic artists Mo Espinoza, also known as Drumcell, and Surachai. But we didn't get together to talk about electronic music, DJing, or producing. We're discussing their business venture, Onyx Record Press. Of course, we start off talking about their earliest musical experiences and how they started their careers. Mo and Surachai tell me how they met the other two main players in Onyx, Gil and Cyrus. It's quite a romantic story, actually. And how an email response from another vinyl press really put everything in motion. Surachai and Mo go into amazing detail about not only the physical process of making a record and how a vinyl press actually works, but they also break down what most major record presses do and why they're different and a better choice for independent artists. Things like having the sexiest record presses around. I highly recommend checking them out if you have a need for vinyl. Go to onyxrecordpress.com and contact them for a quote. Follow all the social accounts at Onyx Record Press, at Drumcell, D-R-U-M-C-E-1-1, at Surachai S, S-U-R-A-C-H-A-I-S, at Belief underscore Defect, and at BLK Noise. Follow the podcast at Performance ANX. Check out our merch at performanceanx.threadless.com or send coffee money to ko-fi.com slash performanceanxiety. Now sit back and relax while Mo Espinoza and Surachai learn you on how to make a record on Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Cool. Okay. I'll go first. All right. Give it a shot, bud. Hey, this is Mo Espinoza uh, from Onyx Record Press, artist named Drumcell. We are here on the Anxiety Performance Podcast. Wrong. Ah, oh, fuck. I was close. Was it again? Performance Anxiety. It's what we have with each other. Yeah. <laughs> okay? Okay, here I go. Here I go. This is Mo Espinoza from Onyx Record Press, uh, artist named Drumcell. You're here on the Performance Anxiety Podcast. That's pretty good, man. Yeah. All right, I'll give it a shot. Uh, my name is Surachai. I'm here with Drumcell, Mo Espinoza. We're from Onyx Record Press, and you're listening to Performance Anxiety Podcast. God, cool. your voice is awesome. You like that? <laughs> yeah, you like that behind you. I always think that I sound great, and then I go back and listen to it, and I'm like, who the fuck is that guy? Nah, man, you got a nice, you got a nice velvet thing going. Uh, you have 360 episodes, dude? All right. Winchester, Virginia. Yes, sir, about 90 minutes due west of D.C., Okay, I was born and raised in D.C. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. Winchester, Virginia. I'm trying to, trying to see this on a map. Yeah, so you take like you take like 66 all the way out to like uh, the Plains, Middleburg, all that area. Then, oh, wow, I see. Yeah. Is that a Pussifer picture behind you? Uh, yeah, I took it. Oh, nice. Thank you. That's one of the other things I do besides podcasting is concert photography, so... I did. I've done a remix for them. So, oh, really? Awesome. Their Donkey Punch the Night EP. I did one track on that. Oh, yeah. sweet. Our good friend is like the uh, roadie. All of like Maynard's bands, he he does tech for. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, small. That is, yeah. I'm a, a guy. I so I did an episode with Laura Logic from 
X-ray specs and essential logic of several months ago. And, uh, well, all right, the way it started out was I did, a, I did an album with this guitarist named Rob Marshall, who goes by humanist put, he's put out an amazing album a few years ago. He's about to put, drop another one, um, sometime like spring next year. And he hooked me up with this guy, Kurt, who got me in touch with Laura logic. Well, Kurt's also re- like best friend with Karina round. So he's trying to oh, see, see if I can get, if he can get, help me get Karina on the podcast. So nice. So yeah, so hopefully okay. that'd be a nice one. So I mean, that's uh, how it works. It's just like just finagling your way through the network. And, uh, it's a really small network, especially if you start getting into the LA side, like Mo fucking knows everybody. Yeah. Not, not willingly, <laughs> but like, it just <laughs> happens through osmosis and like, you just have to know people that are around, you know? Yeah. And I'm and, terrible at that shit. And providing quality work when they want it. So, or, I mean, you know, it's arguable that a lot of people don't provide quality work, but they get away with it. <laughs> that's a good oh, yeah. fail upwards. That's pretty dope. <laughs> yes. I, I understand um, that one. Sorry to be so ignorant on the topic, but I'm not actually really familiar with what, what this podcast is or what we're doing exactly. Oh, we're, we're going to be talking about uh, Onyx. We're going to be talking about everything that you guys do. So, Oh, that's great. So I didn't want to talk about my artist stuff because I fucking so boring, you know, but yeah, Onyx, I'll talk about, we'll talk about his artist stuff too. (laughs) Well, what we're going to do, we're going to start off with each of you just, um, getting a little background information from you, like how you guys got into music in the first place, how y'all met, how the, the company started, things like that. So, but it all starts with music. And so there's something that triggered you into music. And I'm already recording, by the way. So this is just oh, conversational. Shit. Are we using the video in this interview or is it nope. just audio? Just audio. Good. We got, have to go put a we got faces for video, man. I mean, for radio, bro. <laughs> Tell me about it, man. Yeah. I don't, and I, I've got like a voice for silent movies. So, so <laughs> I am, I, I know exactly Please. how you feel. So you guys started this company this uh, record pressing company but people just don't decide to do that music's got to be important to you in the first place before you just jump into record pressing so i want to kind of start off to find out a little bit about how you got into this industry and, and into this vocation to start with um so all right search i let's start off with you how what got you into music in the first place was it a big influence when you were growing up or was it an artist in particular that that drew you in uh so i guess my story what i tell everybody is i grew up in a house where i had a lot of college students in it like a revolving door situation and they would always leave like cd roms filled with random software and audio software was on there too so i started off on like rebirth and like Soundforge and just like started messing with things like that, crack software and, um, eventually just learned logic Mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And then eventually started working in the advertising industry using pro tools, but on the side getting into modular and synth and, uh, whatever that, whatever made sounds that I haven't heard or, thought was interesting i was pursuing pretty actively and that leads to specific genres and yeah i just kept going in that direction of just like treating music more as like a a sound 
rather than like a genre or like a, um I don't know. It's just like following certain artists. That's pretty much how I was like evolving and um, seeing what they were doing, what they were using. And um, that's pretty much my approach. Did you start off playing any traditional instruments before you started getting into the electronic stuff? I mean, I took piano classes. I went to uh, some classes in high school, like music theory. And I went to a scam college called full sale that just, um, I remember that reinforced everything I already knew, but slapped a degree <laughs> on me and took like $20,000 away from me back in the day. Yeah. I remember them. Um, it was cheap back then. It was like 20 K, but now it's like, I don't know what it is now, but I made a lot of friends there, you know, like the community in Orlando at the time was very, uh, it was like a center point for like a lot of electronic music. Like I okay. met Richard, divine when i was down there and like machine drum and a bunch of like miami people schematic crew so yeah there's a lot of florida stuff happening and that's not usually a good way to start off a sentence there's a lot of florida stuff going on <laughs> yeah i yeah i would generally agree but like florida was a pretty big electronic music scene for some reason the south and like like you know richard has atlanta locked down so it's just like atlanta and miami were kind of just like doing this like pushing the boundaries for electronic music. And wow. it's a really weird thing to say, but yeah, Miami is just filled <laughs> with fucking freaks. So it reminds it, me, it, it, I'm sorry. As I was just reminding me his game show on the radio that they used to do where they would read some crazy fucking news headline and then uh, make you guess whether it happened in Germany or Florida. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Wow. That, should, that could be a podcast right there. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Before you skip over this ad, give me one minute. Like most podcasts, I pick sponsors carefully and I use the products that advertise here. 
Pure Spectrum CBD is a product that has been really beneficial for me. They have a wide variety of great products that can be used on a daily or as needed basis. I've been using the tincture every day and it's been wonderful for easing anxiety. And I absolutely love the isolate. I use it instead of acetaminophen or ibuprofen and it's worked so well for the relief of aches and pains. They also have soaks, lotions, salves, gummies, and more, plus an entire line for fitness recovery. They even have products for your pets. See everything they offer at PureSpectrumCBD.com. And if you have questions, they're there to help. They helped me when I had no idea where to start. After you fill your cart, use code PERFORMANCEANX for 15% off your purchase. Pure Spectrum CBD, Pure Spectrum CBD, Pure Spectrum CBD. Okay, well, uh, you may give me a before new idea. we get to well, I want to I want to know your background a little bit, Mark. I want to know like sure. where you're coming from and uh, how to talk to you about all this stuff. I don't want to assume that you know anything <laughs> or don't any know anything. So, like, sure. what what's your background so we can talk to you on a certain level? You should assume I know nothing uh, because I'm not a musician. I'm a photographer. Not well. I used to be a professional. Not not for a while. Now I do it as a hobby, and I. I basically take concert photos for a local blog, but I get in to see a lot of shows for free and I get to see a lot of uh, artists that I've had on the podcast. So it's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I, I just, I grew up with my mom being a huge fan of like classic rock stuff. Cause that's what she grew up uh, listening to when she was a teenager in early twenties. Um, my dad was big into bluegrass and, um, uh, it's about it. A classical. So I, I grew up with a lot of weird stuff going on uh, music wise in the house, a lot of weird mixes. Uh, and it started really more in hard rock, but okay. self-taught at guitar. So I'm very bad, but I, I like making noise and I've just grew up being an enormous collector of music. So if I found an artist that I liked, I kind of became obsessed about picking up anything that was tangential to them. If they, played a note on the guitar on somebody else's album. I wanted that. If they helped produce a CD by somebody, I wanted to get that. So it's... It, For yeah. sure. How, how old are you? I just turned 50 in June. Okay, so we can talk to you about like... <laughs> like basically CDs and like oh, yeah. looking, reading liner notes and shit like that and Absolutely. not just like following links around and ending up somewhere. Well, that's when, when, uh, your, the PR firm, Monica, uh, and I'll reached out to me to tell me what you guys were up to. I said, I would, I definitely want to have these guys on because growing up liner notes and artwork on vinyl and CDs were huge for me. And yeah. that's one of the reasons I got into photography is because I got to, you know, I was mm. looking at these amazing <clears throat> photos on these big vinyl albums and even the smaller CDs and all. And it was just fascinating. Like, look at this, this, this amazing show that that's going on. I, I can't be there, but I can see it on this, on this final cover yeah. art and stuff. And so yeah. that kind of fueled what I do as a hobby now. So very cool okay cool yeah but let, i know I'll nothing know, technical uh, about it <laughs> i mean you're better off i think <laughs> i've heard that a couple of times <laughs> all right, so, all right I'll, let, I'll let mo uh answer that question now yes yeah, I, so, I was just curious oh geez um i'll try to make a long story as short as possible i guess i, um, I got all the time in the world 
Um, yeah, it's difficult to kind of self-promote yourself sometimes, but uh, I'll try to. I mean, I, I grew up um, in a, in a household of uh, first generation two immigrant parents from two completely different countries that spoke two different uh, completely languages. Oh, wow. So the music, the music over here, uh, is in terms of exposure, was was very little since they weren't hip to anything happening on on the west. So. Um, yeah. My older brother, who was, you know, he's about 10 years older than me, was really thick into the kind of like hairspray rock scene in the 80s here in Los Angeles, kind of like around the whiskey go-go. And oh, kind of, you know. that was a place to be. Yeah, he was a part of that whole degenerate era. And I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of like, uh, you know, young and just kind of picking up things through him. I mean, it was like it, every every record he owned was everything from like Van Halen to like Kiss and, you know, just name, you know, all the, the, the cliche bands you can possibly think of. Oh, nice. Um, I think sometime probably around... Uh, the early nineties, kind of like when grunge rock started to kind of, you know, emerge out of things. I started to kind of catch on to what was going on on the radio and what was happening, but it was all a very discovery process for me. I remember at a very early age hearing smashing pumpkins for the first time. And then my brother was like, Oh yeah, yeah you know, fuck that. Listen to Sonic youth. And then uh, I picked that up and like, listen to that. And then instantly I was like, Oh shit. You know, I, I want to play the guitar. I want to be able to do this. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I was literally like in fifth grade. Oh, so, wow. And I, you know, I was completely self-taught, except I became good. So <laughs> you got that on me. <laughs> so uh, I think like by the time I was in junior high, I was already striving to start a band. Wow. And everybody who was able to keep up or as I was able to keep up with other people um, were much older than me like 18, 19. And I was already huge. I think I was the first person in grade school to have facial hair. So nobody even believed that I was the youngest one. I was like in junior high and already had like a beard. So they were just oh like, what? What two, uh, what two ethnicities are you made up of? <laughs> well, my father's Mexican. My mother's from Cairo, Egypt. So wow. very, uh, far worlds apart. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So, um, <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, like I, I just jumped kind of into it and, you know, like I, I was super young. I was the youngest one in the band. I was the one they had to sneak into gigs and, you know, I was writing songs. I was bringing it to the table. Like, you know, just, you know, it started off with punk and I was like super into punk and it was just crate digging in record stores and just mm -hmm. finding things. Um, and sooner or later, by the time, you know, I was probably in the eighth grade, I had kind of discovered industrial music and probably through very cliche routes like ministry and nine inch nails. But then sooner or later, like backpedaled and then found skinny puppy and throbbing gristle and like all this stuff. And it just like exploded my, my intake in the, in the possibilities of collaboration between electronic music and rock music in a lot of ways through what, yeah, I mean, cause you know, industrial kind of in, kind of soaked in a lot of um, rock sounds, especially on the United States side yeah. through that era. So I kind of got sucked into that world. And um, it was probably about uh, high school that uh, somebody one day offered, I think it was the drummer from my band offered to take me to a rave. And I was like, kind of like in this position where I was like, oh, fuck dance music. I knew nothing about it. But <laughs> for me, dance music was like what people did at nightclubs where you had like, you know, the total typical meat market thing where guys just try to like pick up on girls and dance on the dance floor. Right. That's all your shows now though. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but I mean, I went to like my first rave and this was in really, really early 90s. And I finally, for the first time in my life, found the world that I fit into. It was even more punk rock to me than what punk rock was because it was so so far counterculture and so in this incredible like ethereal world of music that like it was so new and so fresh and nobody had ever heard of drum and bass nobody knew what like you know gabber and hardcore and all this like weird experimental electronic music like aphex twin and stuff Mm -hmm. was coming out of europe and um it changed my life so i dived deep into um into the electronic music world. I ended up getting a job at a recording studio by the time I was like 15. And I worked in Hollywood recording studios from a very young age, like literally finishing high school and running over to a studio and, you know, doing shit jobs like, you know, making coffee and wrapping cables and doing whatever the fuck I had just to get access to the equipment on the late night and was like sat there and taught how to use like, you know, ADAP machines and, you know, record on a track and digital performer and old computers like that. And kind of like early DAWs, digital audio workstations Mm -hmm. and how to work 909s and 808s and drum machines and started producing my own music. So by the time high school ended, I ended up going to Musicians Institute, um, the music school in Hollywood, which I guess is comparable to, you know, full sale. And um, (laughs) I learned recording engineering and, you know, kind of cut my my rope in there and started working in studios as an assistant engineer around LA and, you know, found myself in the presence of some pretty extraordinary musicians and artists that I never thought I would ever meet in my entire life. But that ended up me pushing the start. Nice meeting you too, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I ended up starting my own record label, um, started pressing my own records. I was finally old enough to fly on my own and I would end up flying to festivals in Detroit and Chicago and passing out my records. And wow, that turned into a good 15 to 16 years of actually being blessed with the opportunity to tour around the world as an artist, release music, perform at major festivals and, and clubs all around the world. And it's been a very fun ride. So see, that wasn't hard. <laughs> oh, you're not get, you're not gonna get that from me, man. <laughs> it was hard on Sergio. Look at his face, man. He's oh like, dude, I'm not here right now. <laughs> Just I've heard it a thousand times. Don't I've care. said it a thousand times. It's fucking yeah, I know. living it. Because as you tell the as you tell this story and you're just like skimming over all um, the trauma that happens in between you know, the <laughs> yeah. nightmares that you've gone through. Well, I mean, like, if we're gonna like talk to Mark as he's doing it, I think he's coming as like a fan first. Yes, for sure. And, uh, I mean, I think that's where every great musician comes from too, is just like, you're a fan of the stuff and you're going to like live and die for it. And I mean, I guess that's how the record pressing plant is like a, an, it's like an evolution of, uh, being a fan, right. It's like giving back to the community. It's, yeah. it's like trying to fix problems that we see and, um, get it like getting access, giving access to, uh, artists that, are uh, blocked out of things like that because we are fans of our community and we want our our community to have these things that we want basically. So we become like these peddlers of just like, yeah, please make records because we want them essentially, you know, but yeah. There's four main players with Onyx. So there's you two guys and there's, I'm not going to even try to pronounce some of these last names, Cyrus and Gil. Yeah. Yeah. 
How did you guys meet? Who met who first? How did how did this whole conglomeration of four guys trying to help out indie artists? It's actually a very romantic story. Very, I, you know, I am sorely lacking in the romance department in this podcast. Well, we're here to sorely disappoint you. <laughs> I think you probably. I think Mo met Gil first. And it's was, possible. It, it all yeah. kind of happened around the same time. Um, you know, going back to the story that I told when I started my first record label and I was literally probably 20, 20 years old, something fresh out of high school. I was just kind of figuring out how the hell I was going to put my music on vinyl and figure out how I was going to, you know, do this whole thing, kind of like figure out where I am, where I want to be and all the steps in the middle that it was going to take for me to get to where I was going. Yeah. And through multiple different connections and friends, people put me in touch with Gil and um, I had met Gil. He was operating out of a small loft in downtown LA that actually flee from the red hot chili peppers used to live in. Oh, wow. And, and uh, Gil is an, an extraordinarily intelligent and really smart engineer who managed to find an old record press that was probably built somewhere in the forties or something. And he taught himself how to break this thing down piece by piece and repair it and get parts machined for it and figured out how to get it running. And this guy was literally pressing records out of a garage in a small loft in, in, in LA, which, you know, like, I don't know how to underplay this, but that was an incredibly huge feat for somebody to do. Because when you think of record pressing plants you think of these massive grease pits yeah um you know of these massive machines and the whole like my whole career has kind of been built around this whole diy nature of just figuring out how to fucking do shit for yourself so i had a tremendous amount of respect for this guy and what he was able to accomplish and um he helped me out he actually cut my record and helped me press it and that was kind of how we we started our um relationship was i would go to him as a client to get my records pressed okay um search i met shortly after not too far long later i we the record label that i had started was oftenly coined as like one of the first one of the first groups of musicians that brought a very specific underground sound of techno to the West coast of the U S okay. we were kind of infamous for throwing these insanely crazy underground warehouse raves, completely illegal, like break in warehouse raves. <laughs> and, you know, we would, we would have like multiple rooms of music and I would have like one room of, of like, you know, just straight up Detroit influence style techno. And then we would have like these other rooms of weird, abstract, experimental electronic music. Oh, wow. And, uh, we became, um, you know, we, we got on a hold of stuff that search high was doing and he, ended up getting booked at one of our shows alongside a lot of those same Miami guys like Otto von Schirach and, and people, Richard Devine as well. And all those guys and search, I came down and set up a laptop and fucking screamed into a mic and scared half the crowd away. And it was fucking amazing. <laughs> that was like 20, 20 or something years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. So that's how long we've known each other. That's amazing. Yeah. And then with Cyrus, I've known Cyrus maybe for like 15 years. We're all old. So it's not like, oh, we just met in a fucking, you know, five years ago and decided to let's make money. It's like, no, we've been, we've been around each other for like almost two decades. And with Cyrus, I used to run this website called Trash Audio and it was 
basically um, guys working in audio in one way or another, where we would basically like shoot the shit, but in a public area. So it was like Alessandro Cortini. He was in, or he is in nine inch nails, Richard divine. Who's a sound designer. Mo was part of it. He's a touring DJ. Justin was in it. He's a musician and also a touring tech and me, I'm a sound designer as well. So it was like a website that was dedicated to people that are actually working in audio, talking about audio things. It's not just some kind of like advertising. It's just like, what are we actually using? How are things set up? What are we excited for? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Anyways, uh, trash audio then started having like events, like synthesizer events, modular stuff. At one point there was only two modular brands. Uh, there's probably over a hundred now at the moment, but wow. at one point there was only two and then the U S manufacturers started popping up like tip top, make noise and harvest man, things like that. So we started having these meets and they started getting bigger and bigger. Um, okay. but <laughs> we, I met, I met, we did interviews too, but I met Cyrus. The first time I met Cyrus was in Chicago and he was touring with Otto von Chirac, Venetian snares and uh yeah so that's how i met him but then like we just kept in touch he was in la every time i was in la i was visiting mo i was visiting cyrus we would throw events at his loft and we would just like we would build the, these communities of like um synthesizer people and then you know people from bands started showing up and manufacturers from around the world started showing up so we've we just became friends i think that's kind of how everything started first it was just like friends first Mm -hmm. and uh like any sort of like business after we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors hey folks stefan shirazi and renee richardson here from the metallica report and we are proud members of the pantheon podcast family where the best of music and podcasts unite we've got something pretty cool for you we're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, Rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. Yeah, Friends First definitely connected through music. And yeah. we all had like a tremendous amount of respect for what each other were doing creatively and what we were doing musically, you know. Right. Uh, Cyrus was was working with Douglas McCarthy from Nitzareb and they had a band called Black Lines. So all of us were really kind of just right yeah and then they opened for like a couple legs for depeche mode on their tour so it's just like this really you know everyone just knows each other's situation um and then mo and i started a record label called black noise and then we started throwing parties that were akin to but much smaller than mo's giant techno party so it's just like keeping keeping the underground alive okay. by any means necessary and if that means like making a 300 hundred dollar profit after months of planning <laughs> and tens of thousand dollars to spend you know you, you do it because like no one else is and no one else will and i think that's very much in line with onyx it's like listen like 
no one else is doing it the way we wanted to do it so we have to do it ourselves it's it's all diy at the end of the day you know so, yeah i mean just to just to add to yeah. it uh, to segue off what what search i saying is um I mean, yeah, we, we started our label Black Noise and it was kind of an independent label that was was throwing events, kind of focusing on on electronic music artists that were performing with with actual instruments and hardware instruments and were kind of bringing stuff and performing live. And it was a, a great deal of emphasis on more of the kind of avant-garde kind of, um, you know, fringe, extreme electronics kind of music, um, noisy stuff. And, um, you know, we were pressing a lot of records and we were, you know, doing whatever we can without distribution, selling stuff directly on Bandcamp and, and trying to get records out there as much as possible. And um, we, it was, you know, vinyl is a format that we love tremendously. And we, we thought it was probably one of the best ways we could use a physical format to bring this music to people. Was there one of you guys that said, hey, let's start pressing vinyl as a business or was it more of a discussion among all of you guys well my my story is basically i've been pressing records for like 15 years and then at one point recently uh the pressing plant that i was using quoted me like 14 months turnaround time wow and uh i was really not happy with that and basically i found out that like to even get an answer around that period was like that was my 10 year relationship was getting a reply. And then the reply was 14 months. So I saw a blinding white rage right. and I was just like, fuck this dude. I, so like basically the, the cute story is I had to start a record pressing plan to release this record that is coming out any day now. But in reality, it was like, um, you know, fulfilling, uh, you know, not necessarily like the Kirby enthusiasm spite store situation, but it's pretty much like, listen, man, like our friends can't, if I can't do this, that means people kind of in my range can't do it either. Right. And Mo just did some reconnaissance. Like we sent out a bunch of feelers to get quotes from a bunch of record pressing plants around the country. Mm -hmm. And how long has it been now? Like three weeks. We haven't even got one reply. He used a different email address. He didn't know like, People don't know who he is. He was just like anonymously asking record pressing plants around America what they're like for a quote and their turnaround time. And you've yeah. gotten zero responses. Not a it's single just, response from a single pressing plant has gotten back to me. So. Wow. We answer within like five minutes. Like we all see the emails. Like we understand. Like, you know, we were coming from an artist. We're coming from as fans. So we know... I mean, anyone should know how to be treated correctly, but like, this is just like next level. Like, how are you? Well, they can swing their weight around because they are in such demand, right? Like they yeah. can get away with like being like, all right, your wait time is over a year. Your price is going to be crazy expensive. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you'll get a response from us. Maybe you won't. It doesn't matter because we're so flush right now. And it's right. frustrating as yeah, I mean, you know, um, the conversation kind of came up. I, I, I for my my memory's a little fuzzy, um, but <laughs> somewhere around probably the beginning of the pandemic when it, it kind of had first started, um, Gil had gotten out of um, for a short bit of pressing records himself, and he was doing kind of consulting work um, for other record pressing plants. 
And he just kind of came at me one day and said, hey, man, um, I'm thinking about getting back into this because there's a huge void. And me and Sir Chai were like, yes, there is a huge void because we're suffering from the same problem. And uh, we're like, what can we do to get this going again? How can we start this? Gil has the expertise and the knowledge of actually how to run a pressing plant. He's got the the years and the time, the blood, sweat, and tears, and actually doing knowing how to run this. Because you know, opening a pressing plant isn't just like buying a printer and just like putting your music on it and records just come out. Right. It's an artisanal craft that takes decades of experience to be able to set this up and do it right and be able to create a quality product. Yeah. So you know, he came at me and was like, Hey, you know, I want to do this. And, um, you know, I want to build a team. Let's put this together. And it, it was just kind of like everything just kind of just happened at the right time because me and Serge, I were in the same state of mind and, you know, Cyrus was struggling from very similar things as well. And, um, we just kind of put our heads together and was like, yo, let's do this. Let's put a team yeah. together. All of us have incredibly strong effort, um, you know, skills in different places that we can put those skills together and be able to build a solid team where we can cover all of our grounds and put a great deal of emphasis on creating a quality product that caters to the musicians that we care about and the scenes that we care about and be able to provide a service that people deserve to be able to have access to. It's it's amazing because there's such a resurgence in vinyl now, and you guys are saying that it, it's even more important to indie artists, which, you know, I always, I always used to hear that streaming and downloads is what's going to help the indie, indie artists, but it's the, nah. way, the way they're getting paid with that stuff. They actually have to make nah. money on merch now and having For that, sure. yeah, having that vinyl to sell at a show is where they're going to actually make gas yeah. money to get to the next tour. Yeah, I was going to mention, I mean, because you said that, you know, there's such a resurgence for vinyl and it's funny because I hear that quite often, but you know, this, of course it creates an opportunity without a doubt, mm -hmm. but us starting this present pressing plant didn't come from like, Oh, pressing records is big business now because it's in fashion. Let's do this. Yeah. Now we've been pressing records for the last 20 years, 25 years of our life. We've been yeah. doing this. It's, it's what we've always wanted to do. Um, the resurgence kind of came in behind something we had been doing for all along. And it's something that we got, we started feeling pushed out of because now okay. major labels, we're starting to get access to things and we were losing access to things, you know, because right. uh, okay, so like, for example, <laughs> like record major record labels would rent out, like, let's say uh, a plant has eight machines. They would rent out four of them, just have it on standby, ready to pump out, like, you know, between 30 to a hundred thousand units to different stores. So it's just like, basically, like at that point, that record pressing plant becomes half capable because the other half is being leased by a, a label. And then a label would do that at multiple places, just have them strategically around. And hell, man, if I owned a major label and needed those like types of numbers, I'd probably do the same thing. But um, that puts people like us in a compromising position where we have to start our own shit, you know? Yeah. 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 But for every problem, there's a solution. And, and you guys have been part of the solution so not being in this industry or technically a, mu a musician or, or having any technical knowledge about any of this stuff what's involved in pressing vinyl what do, what do you guys need when what do you do 
Uh, before you, I'm going to let you answer this, Mo, and you are going to do it at length. I'm just going to, I can't understate how important Gil and his 25 years of experience is in this entire process. This is a very engineer plus artist type of environment that you have to work in. Like, you know, there's, there's a bunch of engineers that are not artists and they're, they're very good at what they do as an engineer or an artist, but Gil is kind of like the full package. He's an accomplished musician. He's an amazing mixer and an incredible mastering engineer. And then on top of that, he's an even better mechanical engineer. So he can basically like he, he drafted up this entire place and we were just like, yeah, okay. That sounds <laughs> I was gonna, like, wow. you, you wanted like you, like we were talking for months about boilers and Mo and I, one day were just like, what the fuck is a boiler dude? <laughs> I, just, like, I don't know. He needs two of them. They need to be 10 horsepower reach. I'm just like, I guess dude, fucking get him some boilers. I don't fucking know, dude. Yeah. I mean, the dude is a, like a, I mean, he's a, he's a really good DJ as well, but he's like a, a classically trained jazz musician oh, who wow. can play keys and bass and guitar and drums and like you know can keep up with some of the best so he, he's a really really all well talented human being oh that's incredible but yeah in terms of like what co like composes a record pressing plant mo brought a video last time of uh, gill's old machine and it basically it looked like it was something from like david lynch's like razor head it was just like this large machine that was black and i'm sure you could have just like disintegrated bodies into it it, it was so wow. industrial and it just looked so foreboding it i'm sure it was loud as hell it took up an entire wall on a warehouse oh it was just like the most inefficient war machine looking type of thing and that has basically been streamed down to man i wish i could show you pictures of what we have but it's like it's made in sweden and it like you touch this thing and you're just like holy shit this is what people would probably send people to space with it's wow. so it's so sharp and like heavy duty and um the quality is just insane so like it's just really like it's like the uh the apple of of like record pressing machines it's it's very fast it's very automated as much as it can be and um it's just so streamlined and it's like super sexy and it just it feels like a mech like yeah oh, it's just really technology. insane precision yeah, it, it, yeah it's super precision yeah so anyway in terms of what a record pressing requires yeah. is all right if you think about the action of, we're, we're just going to talk about like the actual pressing of the, the, the vinyl, right? Yes. So like the materials need to be funneled in and it needs to be heated up and all that shit, but whatever, like, let's just talk about the actual pressing. The actual pressing of it requires a specific pressure pounds, and then that's it getting pressed together. And then as it comes out, it needs to get cooled down by a specific temperature. Okay. So it retains its shape and it starts to harden. And then from that, it gets go somewhere else and it gets like the edges kind of, um, sawed off, okay. but just that action of getting a heated puck into pressure into cooling. And then that needs to get sawed off. Like that's, those are industrial 
like events that are happening. Yeah. So that's the boiler. That's the, the, the heating component inside of the, the record pressing machine. And then there's chillers. So it like cool, cool water gets blasted at this mold that was just pressed down. So it's like, it's very old school in that respect of just like, like basically we could be molding anything. Like, uh, we, we just chose to do records, right? Like if you replace the molds, we can make like action figures, right. which is something we need to talk about after yeah. most of this shit doesn't work out. Like I want to make like Godzilla action figures and shit, oh, there you go. but like, um, but it's essentially it's the same kind of action. So in, instead of different molds for action figures, we're doing different records for people. Right. Mm -hmm. So like the molds that we're using are, is the music that is being sent in plated and things like that. Okay. But yeah, I mean, if you want like yeah. a more like scene by scene thing, we could totally do that. Uh, too. Yeah, I mean, I can briefly kind of go over it. I mean, very often we get these emails from people that like, you know, you, people send it over and they're like, Hey, uh, can I get like five records? Can you press like five records for me? Yeah. I, I just need like five or 10 and <laughs> I, it, it instantly becomes, um, you instantly realize that people don't really fully understand the process of what it takes to make a record right. because that's not possible. Um, the amount of money that you invest into just setting up to get a record press isn't worth you just pressing five records. I mean, basically we start off with a blank metal disc that has a very, very thin, um, lacquer coating on it. Think of it kind of like a nail polish finish, like a very thin layer of nail polish. Okay. It comes on a metal disc. It goes on what's called a lathe and the lathe has a needle just like a turntable. But what the lathe does is you, you bring it down, you play the music through an entire mastering chain and you basically etch the music into that thin layer of, of lacquer on this metal disc okay. without going too deep because you don't want to hit the metal plate too low, but you don't want to be too shallow because the deeper the grooves the louder the music is and you want to have a good loud decibel volume that comes off your record right so the process of cutting a record and actually getting the appropriate lacquer done with a good master is an art form in its own right and gil actually does that for us in-house he's been cutting with a lathe wow. and lacquering records for I, I i can't even go through the plethora of music that he's actually been able to do throughout <laughs> his entire life um but it is an art form and a skill in its own right so one once that record is cut and you actually have it, uh, it's what's considered a dub plate for some people. You can actually take that dub plate and put it on a turntable and drop a needle on it and listen to the music if you want. But every time you listen, you're basically wearing that thin layer of veneer down further and further. So okay. you don't want to put it on a turntable and listen. Um, that plate gets sent out to get what's called the plating process. And the plating process is basically putting it into a galvanic bath and being able to put an, uh, a nickel finish off it, which the nickel finish is peeled off and then you get stampers. You basically got a negative copy of that record. Okay. The top side, which is the A side and the B side, which is two different plates. Right. They make those stampers. Um, the stampers are then fitted into the machine on the top and the bottom of the press that what Search I was saying. And you know, the, the vinyl basically goes into an extruder and is melted down into a puck that puck is pushed into the middle of the press. The two stampers come down, pressing it. The negatives make 
back into the positive which is actually the finished products right. and the labels are actually put on and stamped and sealed on top of that record as well when that comes out it goes through a cutting process which is basically a trimmer because there's excess vinyl that sits on the outside of the record all right and it goes through the trimmer and the trimmer just cuts it into a perfect circle falls off falls into a spindle you put that into a sleeve and then you finally have a finished product so when people are ready to press a record first of all you have to get that master that master lacquer cut and that master lacquer cut needs to be plated and the whole galvanic bath and the nickel process of being able to get those stampers by the time you get through that entire process of getting all that stuff in front of you you're not pressing just five records. <laughs> you know what I mean? You might as Definitely. well put some money into to, to yeah. go ahead and start printing enough records for you to actually be able to sell to make the money back you invested into actually getting this far to the process in the first place. Right. Makes sense. Yeah, like the difference between like 300 records and 500 records is only like a few hundred bucks, right? Yeah, it's negligible at the most. Right, you're, you're paying for the copies. But just the startup fees to get you to the point of making copies is very high. So it's like, yeah, you can make five, but then each unit's got to be like, you know, $800. (laughs) You can, you can do that if you want to do that, which would be fucking sweet. But uh, realistically, economically, you want each unit to be like, I don't know, between uh, seven to 12 bucks or something like that. Right. And you know, there's also, there's a huge culture, especially in the UK that was very present through dub music in, in Jamaica and, you know, with drum and bass music and stuff, the whole like dub culture, you know, it was from creating dub plates, which is the the whole lacquer process of being able to put the lacquer on on the lathe and cut the record and then just take that to the club and then just dj with that record on the turntable because you can play those they're big heavy metal discs but they will play on a turntable the problem is is that they have a very short shelf life because you can only play them so many times before that lacquer veneer kind of you know goes down but i mean you know gil used to do that even back in the days i used to go and see him dj at like house music parties and he would play kind of a very kind of jazzy soulful style of house music and he would just produce records in his studio and he would cut like 25 dub plates and then just go to the club and actually just dj an entire set on nothing but dub plates wow but if if you want to be able to create a product that you can sell and be able to actually distribute to your fans or be able to take on tours merchandise or so on so on so on um you're going to need a, a very finished vinyl product to do that so that it has the shelf life and the time that you can listen to it for you know decades to come so let's say you guys mentioned that you respond quickly to inquiries, but once somebody has decided that, that they're going to go this route and they place an order, what's the time frame from the time they place the order until the record is pressed? Just uh, a, generally speaking, let's, let's say like, you know, yeah, that's a sliding scale. That's yeah. a sliding scale, depending on how busy we are at the moment, as of today, we are quoting between eight to 10 weeks, um, wow. which is pretty fast. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, our, our, our competitors are, I don't know. I don't even, I can't even say what they are, but like, well, it's better uh, than the 14 months you were quoted. 
Well, we don't even get responses from them, so you know you can't even get it done. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it varies worldwide, especially during yeah. the pandemic. There was a huge rush for vinyl, and everybody was trying to create a product. And uh, turnaround times had exploded extraordinary, and you know, it was turning into uh, six months to eight months to nine months. It went up to twelve months, up to fourteen months, just to get a record. And then you found labels trying to contact pressing all over the world, like calling people in Italy, Vietnam, sure. Japan, Poland, you know, all over the place, just to try to find a way to get a record back as fast as humanly possible. Yeah. I think that those, those wait times have slowed down a bit worldwide. There's been kind of a stabilization in the industry, but it's still pretty long. From what I hear from a lot of other pressing plants, we're still like in the six to seven month range oh, wow. for some people. So um, the thing about our machine that's unique is that the mass majority of pressing plants that are out there available today are still using those very old pressing machines that were built in the 40s and 50s. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're still running because there hasn't been any new companies that have been manufacturing brand new pressing machines for, you know, decades. That, that was going to be a question recently. I wanted to ask you guys. Is, I mean, what are, what are the options for, as far as that's concerned? I mean, just few. recently, just recently, there's been a few people who've popped up who've actually for the very first time and, you know, like, I don't know, I want to say over 100 years that people have said, well, this format's back. Maybe we should start rethinking the engineering behind how we create these machines. Wow. And we were very lucky to get in very ahead because we have one of the very first one of these kind of state-of-the-art brand new pressing machines available on the west coast oh. we were the first ones to get one and the uh, the amount of time that these pressing machines take to make a record is substantially much faster than what is available in other places um our okay. machine can produce records fairly quickly it's it's a fully automated system with you know imagine like what you would see when cars are being built with robotic arms and in, in detroit or something oh, like wow. that so it's obviously not that big right but you know, um, it's it's certainly mechanically far more um, uh, superior in, in in its in its actions. So um, it produces records at a much faster period, which gives us a much shorter turnaround time to be able to get records um, to people in a smoother timeline. I'm I'm just assuming, but I have to ask: you, you guys do not just you know regular black vinyl, but you do the the special multicolored stuff that everybody's putting out now. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, we are able to do kind of swirled mixed vinyl records. Um, you know, we, we offer a wide range of colors. Uh, you get on our website, we've, there's a huge list of hues and, uh, and different colors that you can do. So, and mixing vinyl is also very possible as well. And the one thing I, am checking out the website, I did see that you make it a point to say, consider your, the quantity that you want very carefully because you're not able to repress. So if somebody runs out and they need more, it's going to be a completely new job. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of something that is kind of unique to us in a lot of ways, but this is how we're able to manage keeping our turnaround times smaller and be able to also provide artists with smaller runs mm -hmm. because a lot of record pressing plants 
um, will only do limited amount of runs. Like they'll only press you 500 or they only press a thousand, you know, that's all they'll do. And we're, we're, we're trying to expand because we know how hard it is as a musician and an independent artist to not have to sit with, you know, 10 boxes of unsold records in your mom's garage. (laughs) And, you know, some people don't have the capacity to sell that many records. Maybe they only want 150, maybe they only want 200, maybe they only want 300 other pressing plants will add on charges significant charges to do small runs. Okay. Um, for us, we want to be able to keep those options open, but to do so, we have to set up our, our ability to be able to do that by trying to not have to offer represses to somebody. Like if you come to us and say, Hey, I want a hundred records. And then you come back two months later and say, give me 200 more. Oh, I sold those. I want another 300. Mm -hmm. Um, that kind of slows down our manufacturing process a little bit. So we want people to commit to what they do and, and decide what, what's best for you. And that way we can provide a, a cost that's, um, competitive without having to do two-step platings or three-step platings and create fathers so that we can make um, more more negative stampers, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. We do a one-step plating process to get everything set up. We press your records and order what you need. As far as the rest of the package is concerned, is that something that artists have to work out on their own, like uh, sleeves and, and things, or is that something that, that you provide or, or you can you can guide them to somebody who does that? Yeah, we kind of tout ourselves as a one-stop shop. Oh, wow. So, um, you know, you come in, you tell us you want full color jackets, what kind of jackets, what kind of inner sleeves, what kind of what, everything you want. And we, we want to take the order in full and deliver a finished product. That is fantastic. Oh, I love hearing yeah. that. So do you guys have like a sweet spot as far as quantities ordering, as far as, or, you know, ordering a certain number of records at a time? Sweet spot? No, I, I think um, ten thousand <laughs> minimum. I mean, you know, the thing is, is it kind of goes, <laughs> it goes back to our ethos of kind of like what what we're trying to to alleviate the pressure in certain portions of the industry, um, and where our target group and our market of the type of artists that we're dealing with are kind of the independent artist kind of realm. Mm-hmm. So we offer low pressings up to 200 records and then, you know, up to a thousand. And that's, what's available on our website, you know, to order right off the bat. But Hey, if, if you're big time and you do want to order 20,000, 30,000 records, Sure. We'll pull a late night shift to make that happen. Oh man. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, it's totally possible. So the process would start with just an email to you guys or uh, it could on be our website. Yeah. 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 Go ahead, Sergio. You can answer. Yeah. You could either email us at info at, uh, onyx record press.com or you could go, which we would prefer is, uh, you go to the website and start a quote. And if there's something you don't see or something that you have questions about, you could take that quote and send it to us and we could talk about it on the phone or guide you through suggestions and things like that. You know, like some people, they say they, they want like a limited edition of like 200, but like printing 300 or 400 is like negligibly more expensive like by just a couple hundred bucks i'm just like dude just get a couple hundred more and just say you have 200 and give them away you know like these are (laughs) we we can only kind of do this once or you know we don't so like get it right overshoot it but yeah if you wanted to start an order have an idea of what what you'd like to do and if you have no idea, hit us up. But if you if you need ideas, just go to our website and go through the quote. And that should kind of give you a baseline of 
where to get started. And if, it, if there's something you've seen or something you like, yeah, definitely hit us up an email and we could, we could see if we accommodate that. Like for instance, we don't do seven inches. Our machine's just not set up for that. We can't do crazy color stuff like, like the really custom stuff. We're not really into that right now in the future. Sure. But yeah, if, and, but like we do offer like super deluxe, they kind of feel like hardcover books, uh, records, but it's not on the website. Uh, we're going to get it on the website soon, but if, if that's something that they're called tip on gatefolds, if that's something that people are interested in and they've seen it around, yes, yeah, so you can definitely ask us for things like that. But like what we have on the website is kind of just like lowest common denominator, but also, you know, very strong. My new album is using all of the all like the the presets of the quote so i just wanted to okay. have that experience to do that there's really nothing custom happening on that so yeah so if they don't yeah see it, we've noticed we've just noticed over experience over the years that like getting a quote from a record pressing plant can be can rather difficult sometimes so sometimes it's like if you want a quote fill out this form and send us an email and we'll respond to you when we get time to and we'll tell you how much it's going to cost maybe and I, from my personal experience i found that most of the time you don't get a response yeah yeah which is weird and you know we want to be able to provide a, a service to people where like hey if you got questions we're here to answer them we're here yeah. to get on the phone with you we're here to figure out what it is that we can do to to fulfill whatever your project is because we know how important it is to you because it's important to us yeah. um and you know on our website which is which is pretty cool you can actually sit there and go through all the different options and generate a quote um, by selecting what color you want what kind of jackets you want what the inner sleeves you want everything is done very very well very easily just to get a rough idea of where you want to begin and then if you have any custom requests then you can always get in touch with us and contact them that sounds real easy I like that. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the point of it, right? Like we just wanted, uh, I don't know how to say this without sounding antisocial, but we wanted people to kind of just do it, kind of DIY it themselves to a certain extent. And then we'll guide you along the way. Like we would love, because like other record pressing plants, especially in my experience, is like, you're constantly on the phone with these people. I'll really? just like updates and like, where is it at? And getting random emails, just like left field of just like, all right, we're in the ne this next step. Please approve. It's like, bro, just wait, like where, where are we on this timeline even? So when you start an order with us, we have a timeline. We, what is it? Like the pizza, the Domino's pizza delivery type situation. <laughs> like your pizza's in the oven. Like we have like, I don't know, like 10 steps of where it is. We actually have that, that like timeline. Yeah. So you know where you are in the process. But yeah, we, it's just like, we're trying to educate people and empower them. So they, they don't, feel like they have to be on the phone all the time and like wasting their time and, and just like, I don't know, just getting information as fast as possible. And also kind of like just depending on the process, like just letting us guide them through it. So they, can spend uh, through more the time, they spend more time making music instead of trying to get their records made. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, um, you could you could print a record with us without ever having to talk to a single person. You can go to the website. Theoretically, yes. You can <laughs> that was a order. goal. <laughs> yeah, the, the website pops open. You can drag and drop your artwork into it. You upload your music. You hit send. You put in your deposit, and then you know we will send you an order confirmation, and it just and it kind of flows. Yeah, um, you'll get yeah. test pressings. Yeah, but you have to approve the test pressings, and I think. <laughs> I think that's automated right now too. You can, you can just uh, hit a button and it'll yeah. approve it. Oh man. But that yeah. is amazing. 
it sounds like you guys have, have this just sounds like a very well thought out, well planned business model. And it, it's meant to serve people who aren't being served. So I think this is, this is fantastic. I mean, we think it's fantastic too. So <laughs> <laughs> I hope you do. I think, I think this is the first time I've ever impressed somebody this much in my life. <laughs> I'm usually disappointing feels, people. Feels awkward, huh? <laughs> usually, there's like yeah. breaking new ground here. Then this is <laughs> uncomfortable silences. Extended uncomfortable silences. <laughs> well, yeah, there you go. I like it's that. part of our it's part of our self deprecating humor. Yeah. <laughs> what is the best way for people to reach out to Onyx and and follow you guys? Is there a social media presence? Uh, website? I know there's a website, but uh, what's the best way for people to to reach out and follow you guys? Uh, we have all the social media platforms you can think of, except for maybe TikTok, because who the hell needs that? Exactly. Um, uh, you, you can find us on Instagram at Onyx Record Press on a, the Instagram forward slash Onyx Record Press, uh, Facebook as well, Onyx Record Press, uh, Twitter as well. We're all there. Or what is it now? X. X. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think let's the do, best let's way do a to collective get sigh for that. The best. <laughs> oh man. The best way is just going through the website and then hitting contact through there, and uh, one of us will get to you. All right. Well, guys, this has been really interesting. This is this is the kind of thing that I always wondered how this stuff, how vinyl was made, how this stuff happens. And and uh, so now I feel like I've gotten a little peek behind the curtain. So thank you so much for helping me and, and teaching me the, the, the little bit that I know. I'm, I'm, I'm no Gil by any means, but uh, I feel like I've learned a bit. Today. None of us are. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's uh, if people want to check the music out for you guys, what's the best way to, for them to find your music? Um, yeah. Uh, my, I think of the main project that most people might know me by is drum cell, which is kind of my techno alias. Um, you can find me on Instagram, which is D R U M C E one, one instead of the L L. Uh, I also have kind of like a live industrial noise project that I do called belief defect, which is an Instagram as well. Belief underscore defect. Um, yeah. we're about to put out a new album coming out pretty soon too which is quite exciting. Um, you can find videos of our live shows on YouTube and our records are all over Bandcamp and various other record stores. I'm sure it's pretty easy to find Spotify, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I'm sure you know it all. Search China might mean my, we have a, we have a project that we do together as well called sentence. Um, if you have a high tolerance for noise, check it out. <laughs> Excellent. I'll yeah. There you go. Uh, yeah, you can find me at Surachai, S-U-R-A-C-H-A-I on Instagram. That's the only one I'm going to, oh yeah, there's Bandcamp. Uh, you can see a bunch of videos on YouTube. I mean, that's it, right? So yeah, I'm Surachai. He's Drum Cell. We run Black Noise. We run Onyx Record Press. So we're just joined at the hip till death, man. (laughs) It's like, it's like a marriage. Oh Yeah. I was going somewhere. I wish I could put in context how heavy it possibly can be, but it is there. It's like I, I like you, but I don't love you. <laughs> it's just like a marriage. Yeah, I think I love him, but I don't like him. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I like you, but I'm not looking you in the eye. This is oh, this uh, eye contact's awesome. what I'm looking for. <laughs> I'm not giving it to you, man. <laughs> Well, I should, I'd love to have you guys on just to talk about your music. We'll have to 
see if we can uh, get that set up and, and just talk about the actual music you create, not just the physical Absolutely. products. Sure, I'd love to. Sure. Awesome. I'll be like pulling teeth with me, but I'll let Mo do all the talking. <laughs> we, can, we can work that out. Thank you guys so much. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.